0: All right, happy Thursday morning. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody listening. Welcome back to the podcast, boss man. Ian, got to give a shout out to you. What an incredible holiday host. You hosted multiple holiday parties at the Ranchette over this uh, fine vacation. And I got to say, what a stellar abode.
1: Let's just be clear on my contributions. (laughs) I turned the fire on. At the beginning of the night, and I turned the fire off. I provided some jokes and entertainment, and I was the official wine opener. (laughs) Besides that, I think it was pretty much my better half that did most of the hosting.
0: Well, we had uh, such a great time. And by the time a lot of listeners listen to this, it will be those first few days of the new year when you're sort of cracking open your inbox again and seeing what's going on. And I thought it would be cool to talk about a little bit of a habits refresh and specifically talk about the fundamentals of business, to simplify, to clarify, to set up our new years in the right way. And I thought it would be cool if we talked about a few categories. So the fundamentals I want to talk about today, Ian, are money, time, location and people,
1: strategy. Sound good? Yeah, I'm excited to do this. I'm trying to figure out, Dan, personally, like what goals I'm gonna set. I mean, I have a couple that I've already set that I think are nice, but you know, it's always this balance of like, yeah, should I set a bunch of goals I'm not gonna follow up on or I'm even gonna forget about in July. You know, when we talk about habits, that's a little bit easier to follow, I think, than some of these goals.
0: Yeah. And really today what we're gonna talk about is try to focus on habits and practices. This idea of fundamentals really clicked with me, Ian. Over the past week I've been on the phone catching up with entrepreneurial friends, a lot of whom are in this community. And I've spoken with people with total hyper FU money. I've spoken with people who have really successful businesses and great savings. I've spoken with people with debt and a dream. I've spoken with people that are old school, fire, like work a good job and just save a lot of money and live somewhere super affordable. All these people are focused on the same thing, which is freedom. The freedom to make the choices they want, the freedom to commit to the things they care about. Like it was kind of the same conversation at all these different levels. And I really thought that that was cool. Not to say that things don't change when you have like $25 million versus when you have debt and a job, but this idea that you all can have access to the same fundamentals, I think is really cool. And I think as the year goes on in our business, there's these complexities that add up. You know, you hire a new person or, a new challenge comes up, or you explore a new shiny object just to see if something works out in that direction. And really what the fundamentals are about is you say, okay, I'm going to now incorporate all those compensations, all those complexities, and I'm going to try to incorporate them back into my fundamental practices. You know, we could all imagine Kobe Bryant was famous for practicing his footwork. Why? Well, if you're a basketball player and you try to get around somebody to the left, You don't have the right footwork. It doesn't mean you can't get around somebody to the left. It just means you do it in a less efficient way. And now's our time of the year where you step back and you say, can I get the footwork right such that I can find efficiency, leverage, and simplicity. All right, Ian. Our first topic area is about money and personal finance. So let's talk about some simplification, some fundamentals, some habits and practices around money and personal finance. You know, Ian, I recently bought Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Dave Ramsey was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. And even now that I've been in the game for over 10 years, I want to go back to these footwork fundamentals. I want to spend less than I earn. I want to have robust savings plans. I want to be intentional about how I invest and spend money. And I think this is critical for entrepreneurs because it's like, at the end of the day, your first business is the business of your personal finances. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you take responsibility for that and feel that sense of control and accountability over often things that you don't really want to see, like maybe you have a really bad credit card bill, or maybe you have student loans hanging over your head that cast a shadow on your career prospects or your future. You know, Entrepreneurship is really about taking a look at those things, trying to take some sense of control and establishing a plan going forward. And that doesn't change at the different levels of personal finance and at the different levels of business. Part of the reason I think this is important is because entrepreneurship, it can present itself as this new habit. That's like going to get rid of your old bad habits, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm going to add this complexity of like, I'm going to start a business now, and that's going to sort out like all these money problems that I have. And that's why I put this as my first fundamental money habit, which is you got to spend less than you earn. You have to be incredibly fiscally responsible, and you have to take total responsibility for every dollar in your bank account, every dollar in your business and investment accounts. If you have that fundamental in place, and then you continue to focus on it over the years, you're going to better reap the rewards for all the hard work that you're doing every year growing your business and your assets.
1: This is a definitely a fundamental, Dan. I want to point out some ways that I've fallen short of this in the past. And it's like, one of the ways is like, I wouldn't say I'm extremely frivolous, but I wouldn't also say that I'm real extravagant in the way that I spend. I do the things that I do. And like, when I look up, it costs about the same every time. So it's like one of these weird situations where like, I have like a minimum threshold that I have to meet basically to like keep living the lifestyle that I'm at. And I think a lot of people have this same thing too. It's like, well, I like to eat out three times a week. I do these types of things and cost me $5,000 a month, you know, kind of any any way you you slice it. And so if you're making less than that, you'll never get ahead because you're always going to be in debt and you're always going to be trying to claw your way out of that. If you're making more than that, the good news is that you've got some savings probably because just by default, whatever you're doing is costing less than you're making. But it's kind of the lazy way to do it, right? It's like I always live below my means because my means aren't that high. The problem with this, though, of course, is like when you go to start a business and when you go to change anything in your life, that's not always the case. And so, you have to kind of take a look and in inventory how much am I actually spending, even if this is the way that I want to live my life, because you might not have that choice at some time and that time for us, Dan came when we started a business. We couldn't drive the cars that we wanted, we couldn't eat at the place that we wanted to eat necessarily, like we had to keep it tight because we wanted to invest couldn't live at the places we
0: wanted to live or maybe we looked kooky because of the decisions we were making, and that's part of having a strong vision and i'll I'll point this out too that. Part of the reason this scales so well into entrepreneurship, this fundamental, is that typically, the more attractive business models and asset building opportunities will require more of your time. More of your time will require stronger basis of personal finance. And if you don't have those things sorted out, you might have to make a lot of shortcuts along the way thus ultimately shortcutting your ability to take bigger swings to do more interesting things to build more scalable assets if you're operating in like less scalable businesses say for example freelance business model it doesn't scale particularly well but because there's such a low gearing it's easier to make money faster so if your personal finances aren't in a great situation you might have to make some trade-offs in terms of what kind of business models you're able to pursue
1: what are you doing this year To change up your money game? So, the money habit I would
0: put in place number one, get hooked up with Dave Ramsey's thinking. It's simple, it's fun, it feels empowering. It turns things that are otherwise scary into fun opportunities. And these are things that don't require a ton of mental bandwidth. They're processes like a weekly review of your finances or a monthly, putting all of your accounts in one ledger like mint.com or a spreadsheet and having total transparency on every dollar coming in and out. Or even if you want to go extreme, building an envelope system or a cash wallet system. You can do this virtually too, where you're putting downward pressure and constraints on your spending habits. That way, you can have a way to push back against people who are trying to ask you to spend money or pressure you into it. Or keep in mind like what that fundamental goal is that you're trying to achieve, like why you're making those sacrifices in the short term. The reality is, is that so many people think that they're deserving of more of a lifestyle that they should have it. And the whole system is rigged to make us believe this, Ian, by the fact that it's so easy to get debt and loans to, quote, get the lifestyle we deserve or to spend a little money to make money or to have the circumstances set up such that I will one day be able to make money. This is putting the cart before the horse. And what I'm suggesting is that you flip it upside down and that the fundamental step in becoming an entrepreneur is managing this stuff. And you can start to understand how balance sheets work, how businesses run by managing this stuff today. And so the habits would be 100% transparency on all my finances every week. Every single dollar in and out is accounted for. The reason you're building a business is that one day, you want that profitability to flow into your personal finances. And so focusing where you plan to end up Having a good platform and fundamentals in place, I think, is absolutely critical, empowering. And the other, you know, emotional trap, Ian, that entrepreneurs fall into is they think, you know, it's not about saving money; it's about going out there and like building a big business and exiting it, and then all of a sudden, like these problems will go away. And the problem is, is sometimes they don't. This is a really good insurance policy that you can have going on in the background at all times. And again, it doesn't take a ton of mental energy. It can set you up for success. In your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, Dan. So, two habits I'm going to continue to carry on from last year. One I got a little bit behind on, which is a personal financial statement. So, like you, I think you use some software. I use mint.com. Yeah, I just use a simple spreadsheet, man. I try and update it monthly, but that didn't happen. It was more like quarterly this year, but I want to go back to monthly. And basically, that like shows me where all my assets are. Like, it's my personal PL and balance sheet. So for me, the habit is to continue to be on that monthly instead of quarterly because I think it gives me better visibility month to month than it does quarterly. The other thing that I instituted that I really like, and this is just a little trick more than it is a habit, but I set all my credit cards and whatnot to uh, alert me on my phone when a purchase goes through. That might seem kind of annoying. It kind of is. But the cool thing is I get to see like what's on auto and what's being spent even when I'm not like actively buying something. And that's like helped me to turn down some of these things that I don't actually need in my life that I didn't realize I had running. this is like a huge problem for businesses too, Dan. We have this problem in our business too, which is like, you just look at the credit card statement. It's like, oh my gosh, we're at $5,000 this month. How did it happen? It's like, oh, there's three reoccurring subscriptions on here that nobody's using anymore. So just my quick tip is just turn on alerts on your phone. Most banks have it now. And then at least for the first month or two, you'll get to see what's automatically running through your credit card.
0: Yeah, 100%. So there's the habit. We both agree on 100% financial transparency of every dollar in and out. And it's a cool time to take stock and get it done. You might do such a great job and simplify so much that you just need to do this once a year. You even see like these hyper wealthy NBA stars that didn't make this sort of thing a priority and a financial manager runs off with 20 mil or whatever. You can be the greatest basketball player in the world or a beginner and your footwork matters. This episode is brought to you by the wonderful people over at Service Provider Pro, or SPP, an agency dashboard for productized services. What could be more relevant for the audience of this episode? Look, if you want to sell services at any sort of scale, you need a system, all the way from signing up clients to project delivery. SPP gives you that system in a white labeled client facing portal for your agency. If you receive client inquiries about how their projects are going with Service Provider Pro, they can just log in and see all their orders, download their invoices, and manage their billing all in one place. It's the central source of truth for your team about the progress of your client work. They can see everything that's due, collaborate on orders, and send reports. It's all streamlined for selling and delivering services at scale, which I know we are all aiming to do. So let's scale it up. Many agencies have abandoned their expensive and clunky custom-built dashboards in favor of SPP and have grown past a million dollars in revenue with the help of this software. So do check out the platform over at SPP.co. That's SPP.co to learn more and see how it works. And a big shout out to the folks at SPP for sponsoring the TMBA pod and for being so amazing to work with. Let's talk about time then, Ian. The next thing I was thinking about, you know, what are some effective time hygiene or time habits that we can think about to institute in the new year? And, you know, there's just so much of this uh, thinking in the entrepreneurial world that the idea is to just go out there and to work all the time to sort of sacrifice other areas of your life. I caught myself seeing Elon Musk describe how he puts 90 hours a week into his business. And I, I have a hard time relating to how that's even possible. Right? And the reality is, and it's, I almost feel like a little bit ashamed to say it in the light of how this kind of hustle culture is so glorified, but I spent more time you know, working on businesses when I had a job And I sat in a desk from 8 a.m. in the morning until 7 p.m. at night than I do for the businesses that we've run together. And part of that is having good time hygiene and focusing on the things that count.
1: Well, I'll tell you what my trick is, Dan, and it has been the last three years, is just have a kid because uh, that will clean up your act immediately. It's kind of a joke, but it's kind of serious, which is like there's a limiter now on my time that was never there before. And so when people had said to me in the past, like, oh, man, I got so much more disciplined with my time when I had a kid, I can totally relate to that. So I guess what I would try and tell myself before is like, how could I engineer that into my day, like pre-kid? Because I actually used to pull Elon Musk in, like you you used to make fun of me for it. You'd be like, oh, this guy's diesel. He just like sits down for like 12 hours. And the reason I did that is because I kind of enjoyed it in one hand. But on the other is because I was like super inefficient. And the way that I was approaching some of these problems. So it worked out because I didn't have anything better to do. And certainly that's a okay position to be in. If you want to sit there for twelve hours, you can do it if if you don't have much else going on, which I didn't. But now I can't afford to do that. So I just have to be a little bit more deliberate about the way that I spend my time. Yeah, it's weird because like besides being, you know,
0: braggadocious on YouTube about it, no one's keeping track of this stuff anymore. And no one cares. Right? And so it doesn't matter whether it takes you 14 hours a day or four. It's really a matter of practicing the fundamentals and just simply asking yourself, are you being efficient with your time? If you're being efficient with 12 hours a day and what you want to do is grow the biggest company in the world and become the richest person in the world, then more power to you. you know, that's really cool. A couple things. I mean, for me, my time hygiene habit in 2021 is calendaring a lot more. And the strategy essentially is time boxing, Ian. And time boxing is an approach that leverages Parkinson's law, which suggests that a task expands to the amount of time that you allot to it. And this is particularly true in knowledge work. And me and you have been through this a million times. Essentially, you finish the task by the deadline.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And especially in knowledge-based businesses where there are these moving gray lines as to like what constitutes being finished. I think time boxing is a really excellent approach for this. So, typically, Ian, my calendar has been only for meetings, you know, meetings in blank space. And in 2021, I'm going to get more serious about time boxing and putting in projects, deliverables, deadlines, and areas of focus in the calendar. You know, one of the small examples started happening in our business is one of our team members, Alex, and I would set aside an hour to work together. On our sales literature every week. And it was simply a matter of like, that's a time hygiene thing. Like, this is a very important thing. It tends to get put off and we think it's important. So, how about we just work on it an hour a week together and keep each other motivated? This is something I really want to explore in 2021.
1: It's interesting. I mean, that is a real example. And that's something that we've talked about behind the curtain with our businesses like, our sales pages needing to be updated. And I think like the conversation that we had is like, this is an ongoing project. And so, you know, with these habits, the idea is like identifying what's valuable and then making it a habit. One other thing I'll add to hygiene, Dan, and this is something that I implemented in uh, 2020, as it relates to time, is a bedtime. I used to stay up really late. And I know sometimes you were up late too, cause I would text you <laughs> and you'd still be up, but it is rare these days, Dan, that I stay up past 1230. The reason for that is because I get up later and then I can't be productive during the day as much as I'd like to be. I don't know. I guess is it just being part of an adult or something. I don't know. I've always like kind of, you know, I'm a moonlighter. I'm a night owl. The best stuff happens at night. Really, it doesn't. For me, the best things that happen at night are like more interneting. <laughs> <laughs> so I cut myself off and that's just one of the habits that I implemented for 2020 that I'm looking forward to in 2021 as well.
0: One more thing I want to mention about time before we get moving on to our next area of focus, Ian. Is this concept of sequencing. And I don't think we've really talked about it a lot on the podcast, but we talk about it all the time in our team. And it's very like specific to situations. Sequencing is essentially about and I think there's like a lot of related mathematical concepts, but the idea is basically like it not only matters like how much time you spend doing something but it matters when you do it relative to other tasks. And a common example used in the entrepreneurial space about poor sequencing is premature optimization. You know, in other words like you go out and get a whole website set up and you know you get your flyers printed up and your t-shirts before anybody's even bought the thing that you intend to sell. That's an issue of premature optimization. But once you're familiar with this concept of sequencing, it can come up in all different kinds of strategic conversations because essentially there's all sorts of good things you can do in your business at any given time. The question is, is when should they be prioritized? And this is really like your job as an entrepreneur. And I bring it up because it's something that I've found that a lot of people we work with that have less experience, they really struggle with sequencing because they see something good to do and they say, I ought to go do it. And really, when you're managing resources in a startup, when you do things is really really critical. It can have a big impact. I'll give you just a small example, Ian. I remember, you know, it was really popular in the mid two thousands to present like hiring a VA as a business opportunity. And so, what you would do is you'd say, "Oh, I've heard about this business opportunity called having a VA," and then you would respond by say like going out and getting a VA, and then like that would be quite complicated in the mid two thousands. Believe it or not, <laughs> and then. Once you got the VA, you would start paying the VA and then you would figure out all these things that the VA could do and then you would manage the VA. And so now you're doing all this VA stuff because you were sold on this idea that having a VA is a good thing to do. And the reality is it is. The question is, when should you have a VA? When should that strategy be employed? And the answer probably looks something more like once you have an established cash flow that has a great deal of customer service required for it. Now, all of a sudden, when you cultivate that relationship with the VA, there is a great deal of scale and asset potential about the sorts of tasks that they're going to be managing. And you'll have a lot of clarity about who the right VA is going to be for you. I've seen early stage entrepreneurs waste a month or a couple of weeks, at least on screwing around with like some VA whose value like isn't a
1: necessity at that time. I do wonder what sequencing, how much, especially in a business, it just has to do with procrastination and not wanting to spend the time to do certain things, right? So it's like, I will shortcut this probably. I don't want to do my finances. So I'm going to hire a VA that will do my finances for me. I do wonder how much of that it has to do with it. Yeah, 100%. And this is a topic
0: that will absolutely come up all the time because sometimes there'll be customers who have a strong commentary on how you sequence your productivity. For example, like if you could imagine to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to start say like 10 projects over the course of five years. Now imagine like if your sequence was always to like get all the t-shirt stuff done first versus like do the 10 projects in year one and then do the t-shirts in year two.
1: It's clear to see why you do the t-shirts in, Year one is because you have all these T-shirt tools available to you. You go to the internet and there's ten manufacturers. It's because it's ready at hand. All right, so let's move on to the next one then. Ian is location and people
0: habits around our relationships in our lives. Now is a great time to take a look at you know where you're spending your time and who you're spending your time around, and like what are the contracts of those relationships and sort of what are the implicit promises that underlie them. Maybe something just as simple as how much do you pay people and what do you expect in return? Sometimes these things can you know, be based on a history that might not be relevant to the next year. And the other thing is sometimes they might simply be over-complex. You might just have over-promised. You might be over-involved. And again, this is just a matter of, of simplifying, figuring out you know, what sort of people you need around you in the new year to do the sorts of things you want to do. And figure out how they're contributing and just take a look at that.
1: This is like a really difficult thing to do, Dan, but I think it's one of these things where a lot of people they realize at the same time you realize like things aren't going well. So it's like uh, everybody's kind of unhappy. Nobody's willing to say anything because no one wants to like really change anything because it's kind of comfortable you got to be the one to break the ice a lot of times. And we've certainly done this in our business before where it's like, hey, this isn't going well. I don't like this arrangement anymore. We got to figure out a new one. And then the other person's like, yeah, I totally wasn't happy with this too. It's time for me to move on as well. The other thing too, Dan, just while we're talking about habits, it's so easy in our personal lives to get into these habits where we see and hang out with people that aren't necessarily contributing to our long-term goals. And I don't mean to like, say you shouldn't have any friends that you're not getting something from immediately and all the time. But I do mean like trajectory is a line, right? So it's like we spend years and years with somebody and then you realize like, hey, why are we doing this? You know, this? We're going out of our way here to make this work. And like, I'm kind of headed in this direction, you're headed in this direction. I think that a lot of times we stay together because it's comfortable, it's habit. I'm a little bit more open-minded about like, I love like the random spice of
0: life, but you know my injunction here is to look at the core people, like me and Ian, like me and my best friends, me and my family, like me and the team, you know how is my relationship with all these people going because you know what's amazing about that is like there's this idea in the entrepreneurial space that like having a business with no employees is somehow easier than you know having a business with a hundred. And the reality is, is like, that's very often not the case at all. And the reason is, is that you only need a few key people in your life and powerful relationships with them to run the whole shebang. And, you know, it was like this famous concept that uh, Steve Jobs used to talk about. They would talk about like, well, how do you manage, you know, thousands of employees? They say, well, I only talk to five of them. You just got to figure out who those five people are. And you got to make it count. You really got to make it count. You got to make it count. And you got to figure out when you talk to them and then what you talk about when you talk and you got to figure out, you know, is it positive? You know, a lot of people just let that stuff hum in the background. And you say, you know, particularly with a business relationship, one tempting thing is to say, oh, you know, when we make a bunch of money, like everything's going to be better. And you might be tempted to say that with a romantic relationship as well, you know? And so there's this idea that, well, it's going to get better in the future. And I really like the strategy of like, well, let's get it better right now, you know, so that we're more likely to have that future. And I think that that's like a really good habit.
1: Well, one of the habits that we were into for the last 10 years was uh, meeting awesome entrepreneurs all over the world a couple of times a year. Oh, yeah. At TC events. That blew up this year. Wasn't able to do that. I'm looking forward to getting back to that in 2021. Because, you know, honestly, Dan, like uh, meeting up in Austin and Bangkok, it was a habit. It was a legit habit. It was like 100%. April, we do this, October, we do this. And it, I think, was a habit for a lot of other people too, obviously. And it was like, it was really easy to make that decision like, hey, I'm going to get on this plane, I'm going to go meet all these people because every time I do it, good things happen. And that was one of the benefits of putting that into place as a habit.
0: It's an interesting time for location, right? Because people were kind of locked down. But then you also get this trend of like people saying, well, now that there's remote work, like, question mark what's gonna happen. Everybody's gonna move to Austin. Everybody's gonna move to Miami. Everybody's gonna, you know, who knows what everybody's gonna do. And I continually come back to this point that like location independent doesn't mean location arbitrary. That like I encourage everyone to take a look at their location and ask themselves like if a shake up there wouldn't make a dramatic impact. Time and time again, when I hear about the stories of incredible success, it's always about like the person that you met, that you had a deeper relationship with, that you know made a difference, and sometimes that relationship can come from the phone, and oftentimes it comes from in person. So, you know, look like a location strategy doesn't necessarily mean you know move to Miami or Lisbon. It could mean you know hang out on Twitter with these people, hang out in Dynamite Circle with these people, do certain things on the web. There are virtual ways to have a kind of a, a co-location. Yeah. It's just absolutely always at the core of these amazing stories of people building these businesses.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, I am not putting in place a habit for 2021 that includes virtually meeting up with people. I will resume getting on an airplane in October to meet (laughs) people at DCPKK. I'm not willing to commit to any kind of virtual habit at this point.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, you have a lot of virtual habits and I'm a part of a lot of them. (laughs) That's a funny joke. Now that I say it, but uh, you know, we do meet with our team every morning, ten a.m. All right, Ian. Let's finally talk about business strategy. So, to recap, we've talked about money, we've talked about time, we have talked about location and people. A couple quick notes on business strategy. We'll talk about habits and hygiene again and simplification. You know, I think the biggest thing with business strategy is, you know, we talked about money, time, location, and people. What's it all for in a business sense? And, you know, if we're sticking at least with the basketball analogy, the goal is to get the ball in the hoop and to win the game. So what's that
1: look like? Starts with an F, ends with the Edom. (laughs) Wait, I think there's an R in there somewhere too. Freedom? Right. And so...
0: Well, what does that mean? I think it means that, you know, not all businesses are created equal, not all business models are created equal. And furthermore, your relationship to those two things counts a great deal, something we talk about as founder fit. And a lot of times I think because of, for whatever reason, founders take the easy way out and build a business that is more ready at hand. One of the great things about having all the fundamentals in place and staying focused on them is that maybe you can push yourself a little bit more to ensure that every day your best time is spent doing things like building out the asset value of your business and not doing things like client work. Or if you have a job, maybe if you have a stronger financial plan, you can take a lower salary to work for a job that helps you learn and build relationships in an interesting industry that will parlay into a business of your own one day rather than focusing on getting a raise and earning more at your job so that you can ultimately, you know, say invest in the stock market or whatever. So to me, it really counts now that you got all the fundamentals in place that you take a look at your fundamental strategy. If you're listening to this and you have questions about what the hell are they talking about, maybe you could send us an email and say like, hey, maybe that's we could do an episode about let's take a look at this strategy. What do we think? Are your time and resources well deployed? The common scenario that comes up on this podcast all the time is, Ian, if if you're putting a lot of time into an agency, well, what are you spending your time on? I understand why people want to start agencies. Not a bad idea, but where's the asset value that you're building on? Are you focused on it? Where are the side projects? Are you building partnerships? Likewise, if you're a freelancer, one interesting strategy is how about you just never sell your own time again? What would that look like? is it possible to have enough margin in what you're selling in the asset of your brand of your service that you don't do any delivery and that would be you know i would say a more strategic way to run a services business than you know selling on the one hand and delivering on the other and so i think that those sorts of strategic considerations aren't easy but they're interesting and there are work and so that's why I bring them up now.
1: A little habit that we instituted recently over at Dynamite Jobs is this, Dan. Shipping product regularly to test if people want to buy things. Shocking. And you know, this probably isn't something that you need to hear necessarily if you're an established business with established product market fit. But for us, we're very much still trying to figure out what our product market fit is. And I think it would be very easy and it was in the past for us not to ship for a long time and to work on something and to put it out there and then to have like five people buy it and you'd be like, well, I guess we just spent a bunch of time developing something that not very many people want. And so one of the habits that we've gotten into the last couple of months, actually, that's been really great is putting up new sales pages a lot and testing products and features a lot to figure out if people want to buy them. The habit of velocity in terms of shipping products. Getting back into it, Dan. We used to talk about this all the time, which is like ship, ship, ship. I'm happy to say that we're back in the habit of shipping. Absolutely. It is amazing to watch,
0: you know, reality unfold in front of you as you put different sorts of offers in front of the same people or different kinds of people or double down on an offer it's like, well, you like that offer? How about if it was like double the price for like, not quite double the work and see how that goes. And you just keep cracking away at it. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like you're feeling around in the dark and you start to understand like what the room looks like, even though there's not a lot of light in it. And that's sort of what it feels like in the early days of the product market fit journey.
1: You were teasing me the other day because uh, we shipped the product in like, Nobody bought it. Basically, like one person bought it, (laughs) and I was like, "This is awesome! This is amazing!" And you're like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Now we know what people don't want. This is great." I was like eating a
0: tub of Ben and Jerry's, you know, (laughs) and I was like, "Oh God, this day sucked. We like spent so much effort on that, and like you were jacked about it." I was like, "Who is this guy? Like, (laughs) where did
1: you come from? What did did you do with my business partner? This is this is a terrible day." (laughs) Well, like you said, it's like being a dark room and not knowing what the furniture and fixture looks like. It's like I I ran my foot directly into the corner of the bed and broke my toe. And I was like, <laughs> not going to do that again. You know, we're all thinking about how this
0: next year is going to be better than the previous year. And obviously, a lot of that is circumstance. And the circumstances have been amazingly difficult for so many in 2020. But a lot of it, you know, is under our control, too. And that's really what today is about. You know, if you've done the first three, if you've done time, money, and people and location, and you have questions about biz strategy, you know, we do too. It's all active conversation here at the pod. We'll continue to have in 2021. You can always drop us an email. And those emails inspire the topics that we talk about today. In fact, Ian, at the top, I mentioned, I spoke with, you know, so many different personalities, many of them podcast listeners, some of them with, you know, eight figures of wealth, some of them with Multi, multi millionaires, some folks with a job and an idea. And again, the fundamentals. And that's what's so cool. Like everybody can take a look at the footwork, everybody can take a look at the basic rhythms that exist at all these different levels of business. The reality of a fundamental, and I think something to keep in mind, is that they always have something in common, which is that they're simple. And you practice simple fundamentals you know, Elon Musk does time boxing. So can you eight figure entrepreneurs do Dave Ramsey financial spending habits. So can you final bit? I just want to just say how thankful we are that whether you're listening to this on New Year's Eve or the first day of the new year, just amazing to have another year in the books here at the pod. We're incredibly thankful for the conversation that happens here You know, not only between me and you, Bossman, but especially between us and the listenership through your emails, through the vibrant community over at the Dynamite Circle, through so many of you building your companies at Dynamite Jobs and the people that we hope to see again and meet for the first time in person in 2021. We loved on the show. We're thankful that you all come back
1: every Thursday to listen. Boom. See you next week.